Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Netflix and Swill podcast, your source for Netflix news, reviews, and booze. I'm Caleb. And uh, we ain't got no time. I have polonium 204 poisoning. Uh, and I have to keep my heart rate up or I will die. I'm going to take some stimulants and shoot people and fight. And then uh, drive the car fast in a... Very poorly put together CGI sequence that looks like it's uh, from Need for Speed Hot Pursuit. Yeah, that was uh, that was definitely a choice they made. How are you, friend? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm I'm looking up uh, stuff on IMDb because, of course, we watched Kate, which uh, we said was like kind of like a gender swapped version of Crank. Uh, so like I looked up Crank on IMDb because I think I've I don't think I've ever actually seen that oh. movie, uh, but it's showing like you know the section that's like more like this. So it has side by side movie posters for the Transporter, the Transporter Two, and Transporter Three, uh, and all of them featured Jason Statham jumping to the left and shooting two guns. Thanks, John Woo. <laughs> He didn't direct those movies, but I feel like he uh, he innovated that, you know, the jump, dive, shoot gun thing. Yeah. Uh, how are you? I'm okay. Uh, drinking a, 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 a mildly better alcohol than the, it was 20 minutes ago, uh, which I'll get into, but I'm okay. Yeah, uh, nothing to report here. Uh, Bill's a bastard man, as per usual, and that's uh, all I have to say about that. All right. Well, uh, I just got back from the Columbus Zoo a little bit ago. I um, We had some friends from Pennsylvania come out to visit for the weekend, so uh, we went to the zoo, and I touched a stingray, and saw some apes, and uh, watched gibbons playing in a tree together, and then uh, I got fucking nailed right on my wrist by a yellow jacket. Oof. And uh, I was very angry. Uh, now here's the oh. thing. You you played with the stingray. Did you beat it up for taking <clears throat> Steve Irwin away from us? <laughs> well, that's what our our friends that were visiting. They're like, "Wait, didn't Steve Irwin die from a stingray?" And it's like, "Yes, he died the way he lived with animals in his heart." That is true. I enjoy the zoo, but like, cause like they do a lot. Like, at least the Columbus Zoo does. Like, uh. Also working with, like, you know, animal conservation and, like, rescuing animals that are in captivity in, like, poor conditions. But, like, it also just really makes me sad because, like, gorillas and orangutans and stuff are, like, very close to just being people and, like, should not be caged. And it always just makes me sad to see them. Uh, I mean, that's true, but also people can't be helped, so they go murder them anyway. Uh, yeah. So, like you said, conservation-wise, it's probably just better that we have gorillas as opposed to just letting them exist in the wild and be murdered. Yeah. I fed a giraffe. There you go. Stupid long horse. I saw a kangaroo, and uh, I took a picture of it so I could send it to Paul and... Say, hey, I, I think I'm close to your house. Where are you at? And then he, he said, what? And then you were like, what? And then you had an awkward conversation. <laughs> and he said, ah, good day, mate. You just had taken the piss, aren't you, mate? He doesn't sound like that at all. Yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> I don't know. Um. One of my favorite parts was seeing the manatees. I relate with manatees a lot because, like, statistically, they're the fattest, most useless animal. I mean, yeah, they are. 
kind of, I guess, because they just <laughs> sit there. Uh, the noble sea cow. They're fine. They do things. Yeah. Other than that, uh, not a whole lot going on right now. I I need to check on my uh, fantasy sports ball team, see how that's going, because I, I have no idea. Oh, well, that's because you didn't put me in charge. Uh, I've been checking all day. Uh-huh. Uh, not to jinx myself, but I'm currently winning uh, $58 in Daily Fantasy. There you go. Uh, oh, so close to the money line on those ones. And then I think I think I won my, my actual fantasy matchup pretty fucking handily at the, at the rate we're going, thanks to uh, great performances by Kyler Murray and uh, Debo Samuel. Nice. What I'm saying is I'm happy. I'm happy for you. Oh yeah, yeah. There's if I if I lose this, uh, yeah, if I lose this week, I'll be very sad because I'm <laughs> up by uh, seventy points. Damn son. All right. Uh, so instead of talking about sports ball, let's uh, just get to the fucking show. Talk about what's your swill. Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans. <laughs> Stay away from the cans. I just uh, finished up a, a yingling that I had left over, but uh, I'm about to start drinking a Java Monster uh, energy drink coffee fucking thing. There you go. Because uh, I'm very tired. I always like the... I like really any Monster energy drink. The Javas I, I enjoyed, uh, but I mostly go for the, the white can zero calorie shit nowadays. Weird. I'm just saying. Oh no, I've never had that. They're good. You should try them. They have zero calories. Maybe. Uh, As for me, I am drinking uh, like a... It's my steep vodka with like jalapenos and ginger. However, this one Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. wasn't that good. And I decided, I'm like, oh, there's this like $3 tonic bottle mix that has tonic water and lime in it that's like gigantic if i mix it with my remaining vodka uh, i wonder how that will taste and i follow the bottle's instructions which said uh, three parts to one uh the the answer is more two parts to one than three parts to one so uh it, it was very bad when i first had it and now <laughs> uh i added i made another batch of vodka which is probably the best batch i've made uh, and I say this because I accidentally left it steep overnight, which uh, should have incinerated my mouth, but it didn't. It was very delicious. But uh, put some in, put some of that in there, uh, and it improved it. So uh, I need a better alcohol to tonic water ratio for that. But otherwise, you know, it's okay. Okay. I'm glad for you. Hey, thanks. All right. Uh, let's briefly sojourn into some news oh shit it's mail time in why why are you telling me about this uh (laughs) news we've got uh the announcement that despite having not premiered yet uh vikings colon valhalla has been given a three season order at netflix uh the deal is for 24 episodes in total so yes that's true. Uh, I don't know. I I don't know. I I'd watch it, I guess, if I made time to do it. I I've never watched Vikings, so I don't really know or care that much about it at this time. But perhaps I will come to care about it later. Yeah, uh yeah, we'll see whenever we get like an official trailer for it and whenever it comes out cuz I don't think it's going to be this year. It's probably next year, sometime probably around April is my guess. Uh, I don't know, it's just interesting because really with Netflix shows, it seems like most of the time they go season by season. The The most you'll ever hear is like, Cobra Kai got renewed for season five before season four even premieres or something like that, uh, which which mm-hmm. is what happened. Like, you, you, I will never I've never seen a show get, you know, up front three seasons like this from Netflix. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of times it's the opposite. Like we get one day at a time canceled right before season three premieres. Mm. That is true. Shit like that will happen. I, I guess the only other thing to really talk about is Netflix put out a new promotional stinger. 
which was like, look at all these great things we have. And like, Beast of No Nation was all over it. Witcher was all over it. Uh, and suspiciously, Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance, also all over it. Despite the fact that they canceled that show. Yeah. Yeah, a canceled show. That's probably fine. I'm sure it's fine. All right. Um, that's literally the only piece of news we have. So really why don't we get right into downstream. Baby, I can't control the internet. That's my favorite line! Uh, our first trailer this week is for The Guilty. The Guilty takes place over the course of a single morning in a 911 dispatch call center. Call operator Joe Baylor, uh, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, tries to save a caller in grave danger, but he soon discovers that nothing is as it seems, and facing the truth is the only way out. Watch The Guilty on Netflix, October 1st. I don't know. I'm excited about this. I like Gyllenhaal. Looks uh, mm-hmm. looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's an Anton Fuqua movie, so I guess we'll see. Yeah. I'm sure Wayne uh, will watch this and realize, oh, fuck, it's Anton Fuqua as soon as the credits start <laughs> rolling. And then he'll be like, well, fuck me. I don't know, man. Uh, it's Jake Gyllenhaal in another Netflix movie. Uh, I hope it's better than his last one. Yeah. That's it. I'm just excited that it exists. Uh, that it exists. All right. I'm excited for you. Hey, thanks. I'm excited that you exist. <sighs> I'm not excited about that. Uh, next up is the trailer for a cop movie. Director Alonzo Ruiz Palacios takes a deep, uh, takes us deep into the Mexican police force with a story of Teresa and Montoya, together known as the Love Patrol. In this thoroughly original and unpredictable documentary, Ruiz Palacios plays with the boundaries of nonfiction and immerses the audience into the human experience of police work within a dysfunctional system. Uh, watch a cop movie in select theaters October and on Netflix November 5th, 2021. This doesn't look like a documentary at all. This looks like an actual no. fucking movie. Yeah, that's what I was like, huh, this is, uh, because it, it literally is like framed and shot like action sequences and parts of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. So uh, I saw Netflix original documentary and I just went, eh. And then I actually watched the trailer. I'm like, holy shit, this could actually be interesting. So this is a maybe. I'm not going to lie. I'm actually interested by this. Yeah. Yeah, I'd watch it. All right. Uh, Next trailer is for No One Gets Out Alive. Embar is an immigrant in search of the American dream. But when she's forced to take a room in a boarding house, she finds herself in a nightmare she can't escape. Uh, desperate and without documentation, a woman from Mexico moves into a rundown Cleveland boarding house. Uh, then the unsettling cries and eerie visions begin. Uh, I like this movie as a, a recent uh, new Columbusite because <laughs> it uh, increases my solidarity with my Columbus brethren, brethren in being able to shit all over Cleveland. I mean, I guess I don't know. You're from like the expanded Pittsburgh area, and therefore should have been shitting on Cleveland your entire life, anyway. It's true, I, and I have been. Cleveland kind of sucks. Cool music scene. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. I saw Crosby, Stills, and Nash there. There you go. It's, I I believe it said from the creators of The Ritual. So uh, this will be a movie I hate on first watch. Uh, watch like <laughs> nine more times and then grow to appreciate it. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, a spooky house movie. I'm intrigued. Uh, uh, n- I don't know. It reminds me of a, a nightmare that I had last week when I got a visit from my sleep paralysis demon. You say, what's up? I've been trying to reach you about your car's extended warranty. <laughs> My brain sucks. Uh, I think everyone's brain sucks, especially mine. I hate my my brain, too. Speaking of spooky things, the next trailer is for Midnight Mass from the creators of uh, that one thing. Haunting of Hill House. The 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 well that Netflix keeps going back to. Yeah, Uh, this this little island so sleepy it might be dead. The isolated community on Crockett Island experiences miraculous events and frightening omens following the arrival of a charismatic, mysterious young priest. 
an original series from Mike Flanagan, come to Netflix on September 24th. Uh, they need to proofread their YouTube posts better. That's probably true. Dan, what did you think of Midnight Mass? This is a much better look at what the fuck this actually is. Uh, but still, I'm skeptical because Bly Manor was so fucking bad mm-hmm. that uh, uh, I don't know, man. Uh, no. Likely on the docket as a main review topic for the, the first of Spooktober, but ugh, I, I don't know, man. More like looks like ass. Okay. I don't know. It's probably fine. It's. I, I hope it's at least fine. I would rather it be fine than whatever Blind Manor was, which was <laughs> not good. Uh, speaking of not good, the next trailer is for Diana the Musical. Uh, Diana the Musical celebrates the life of Princess Diana and the light of her legacy that continues to shine across the world. Uh, debuting on Netflix before opening on Broadway, this first-of-its-kind mu- landmark musical event brings us face-to-face with one of the 20th century's most compelling figures. It's, uh, a Hamilton type, I guess. Yeah, except Hamilton was already a beloved musical that people were still struggling to see, so they filmed it for yeah. people on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, for people who were, you know, going into a fucking quarantine lockdown. Right. So, well, I mean that that just so happened to be the thing, but I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to spoil the ending for you real quick. She dies in a car crash. Oh now no. You don't have to watch it. I'm going to get so much hate mail. That's true. I don't get why they're doing this. It's uh a musical no one likes yet. I'm like this is basically just like a like a hey we're doing a hamilton type thing to to capitalize off of that you guys want that to play devil's advocate like every musical that they release is a musical that no one likes yet like any any movie or show that's new is something that no one likes yet but i i know that it's not for me and I, I get what you're saying. Like no one's, no one's like hyping this up, right? Exactly. That's exactly it. Like there's, there was Hamilton for people to want to watch. This is just like a, hey, maybe you'll watch this. Well, also, I wonder that like, if releasing it on Netflix first is gonna like make people not feel like they have to go and see it on Broadway. I wonder if it's more of a thing that like. There was a pandemic, and therefore Broadway is still suffering, and so this is a quick way for them to get some cash. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Nobody knows. Porcanalus dos. Ugh. Now here's the question: If we watch this, will we make it farther than we did in Shrek the Musical? <laughs> I don't know. Do you think you could watch this for five minutes? I feel like I, want, I could watch most things for five minutes. It's just, do I want to? Not really. Hmm. You know, I had forgotten that Shrek the Musical existed. You're welcome for the so, reminder. Thank you for that. Uh, lastly, we got the trailer for Don't Look Up. The stars get struck in theaters December 10th and on, on Netflix December 24th. Uh, we do movie theaters now. Mm-hmm. Don't Look Up tells the story of two low-level astronomers who must go on a giant media tour to warn, man- warn mankind of an approaching comet that will destroy planet Earth. Written and directed by Adam McKay, uh, this has uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, uh, fucking Jonah Hill, um... A bunch of other recognizable people that I can't remember right now because I watched this trailer like 15 minutes ago and didn't pay close attention because this looks like garbage. Oh, good. You agree. Don't look up. Or as I like to call it, this is what Leo's doing with his career now. I mean, people seem to, for some reason, respect Adam McKay and his foray into... Uh, trying to be a serious director because he quote uh, can't make comedy anymore because uh, his comedic style is too 
uh, politically incorrect, I guess, was his reasoning that he stopped doing, like, the Will Ferrell movies. Because, yes, everybody, that's where Adam McKay came from, is the Will Ferrell movies, like Talladega Nights, Anchorman, Step Brothers. He did those movies, which were funny. And this movie is, well, like, I'm trying too hard. Those movies aren't, like, really that like offensive or anything i i don't get him i don't understand him <laughs> but instead he's it's, decided it's the seinfeld defense oh I, what's the deal with people being so sensitive about their their gender identity i guess i'm just not gonna do uh comedy anymore man it uh i don't know man what's the deal with iphones why can't i get a U phone? This will still likely be a main review topic because it's like such a <laughs> massive movie for Netflix because it's coming out on December 24th. Like that's that's a that's a big weekend for everybody. Like they're yeah. that's, that's saying they want pe they expect people to watch this. Uh, I, I yeah. think it's going to be pretty bad because I think it's trying too hard to be funny and pointed about. Uh, current politics, and I, 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 I don't care. So the comet is a, it's a metaphor for global warming, right? Oh, I, I don't know. I don't think Adam McKay knows what a metaphor is. <laughs> I don't know. I just was like, oh, hey, this is like super trite. I, I bet they're gonna do like, you know. The, this is like a thinly veiled real life environmental disaster or something. I mean, it's possible. But I guess it's also like Armageddon where they have to fly up and shoot the comet. I mean, it's possible. Because America, I don't know, there was like a space shuttle taking off, which like the space shuttles were decommissioned like 10 or 12 years ago. I don't know. They're probably going part to partner with like an Elon Musk type to get a space shuttle going. <laughs> in order to, to destroy the comet. I don't know. I bet they pull one out of the Smithsonian and, like, refurbish it. That would actually be kind of awesome. Uh, and then it turns out to be a Transformer, like in that one Transformers movie, where the fucking SR-71 was the old-ass janky Transformer. Why do I remember those fucking movies? Because you hate yourself. I hate myself. I think we found a Transformer. Fucking Marky Mark. So, yeah, uh, there are people that are excited for this movie. Uh, I am not one of them, uh, I, I, but I do actually want to watch uh, Vice and The Big Short, so that way I can understand what Adam McKay even does anymore, because I thought Vice, you know, when I, when I watched the trailer for Vice, I'm like, oh, he's just trying really hard to make fun of Republicans, okay. I don't need to watch the big short because uh, I followed the drama around the GameStop stonks. That is true. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now that we're rid of all these trailers forever, uh, why don't we go into quick hits? <laughs> Dan, I have nothing to add here, so why don't you tell me about some things you watched? Uh, first up, I watched Untold Crimes and Penalties. Uh, this is a new documentary series that uh, is like everything's just kind of untold is the series, but like they're all spread out. They all have their own different things. I don't know why they're all not all just under one house uh, where it just says Untold. But you got like the fight at the palace, which was like uh, this one random NBA game where uh, the fucking uh, I think it was the lakers or the pistons uh went up into the stands and started fighting fans mm -hmm. so th it tells the story behind that the only one i watched was uh there's this uh town in connecticut danbury and uh they had a mafioso type uh basically everyone referred to him as like the real tony soprano so uh, he has like this son who, you know, was into hockey and he's like, cool, my son's really into hockey. And then 
uh, his son has like a catastrophic injury where the, the doctor's like, you're never going to play hockey again. And the son's like, oh, no. And the dad's like, oh, no. And the Kool-Aid man's like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, fuck it. I'm going to buy my kid a minor league hockey team that he can run. So he does so. Uh, and it's all about how that team was basically just like a bunch of dudes just hanging out and, and like fighting people like they were basically like if, if you've seen like any kind of hockey movie recently like uh, goon for instance goon is just like hey there's no actual hockey this is just fighting yeah uh i like goon that's pretty much what their opening games were like uh and then like the the nhl lockout hit and then they signed uh noted fourth liner uh, from the NHL, Mike Rupp. Mike Rupp had like a long fucking career. He had like ten year career in the NHL, which is pretty fucking good for a fourth liner. Uh, he comes in to and signs to the team because basically, like the owner just pays people in cash. He's like, here, here's a hundred grand in cash. Uh, I, I'll come by with duffel bags at the end of the game if you got like if you did good, got in a fight, we won the game. Here's like ten grand a piece for everybody, just from just in cash. Like it reminds me of uh, how the KHL is kind of run now because like. Couple of hockey players I've I've heard talk about it are like, hey, yeah, I went to the KHL, I fought some guy because the owner wanted me to, and he gave me an additional ten grand on the table. They just talk mm-hmm. about it. Is the KHL kind of like the XFL? Uh, the KHL is the Russian Hockey League, known as the Continental Hockey League. Mm. So it's it's like the league be- it's like a league below the NHL. So like, if you're doing pretty well in the KHL, you could come over to the NHL and do a pretty good job here too. Here too. What, what do I mean here too? There too. You remember? Uh, you remember the XFL? Mm-hmm. The XFL they, fucking sucked. Th- they brought it back. Those games were awesome. the The games before <laughs> the pandemic hit were awesome, and I was like, "Oh my god, nice. football in the spring! I love this." And then the pandemic hit. Is that Vince McMahon who did that? Sure was. It tell it just tells the story about like how this seventeen year old was like I wanted to mix hockey and WWE and I'm like, oh my god, I love this kid. Except you you like actually see him behave and you're like, oh my god, I fucking hate this kid. And by <laughs> kid, I mean like this guy is older than me now. But as a seventeen year old, he was a fucking douchebag. So, uh, it was fun. It was a fun time. Uh, also, there's a, a concurrent story with the FBI about how they're like getting like they're going after the the mafioso dad uh and then he get like they they nab him the team has to close because uh he apparently had been money laundering through the team so the team had to cease operations which is why he he was just giving out money in cash to people <laughs> and then like the the last 15 minutes is like the legacy of the team the legacy of the owners like the dad's still like uh they don't really bring up any criminal connections he still might have, but, like, the son's off doing his own thing. Like, he's a boxing promoter now. So, like, he took everything he learned from the UHL general manager position and, and put it towards something, which, like, I mean, good for him, I guess. Uh, the UHL, unfortunately, closed, but that was, like, probably the biggest minor hockey league in the United States during the NHL lockout because, like, they had, they had, like, several former players, and they were just entertained. Like, they sold out every night. Like, they sold out. They had, like, a 2,000-person arena. They fucking sold out every night. It was crazy. That was, like, that that team was probably propping up the UHL pretty heavily. And then yeah. everything went to shit. Uh, it was enjoyable. Uh, it was about hockey. Uh, so, of course, I loved it. Go watch it. Uh, and, you know, if you want to watch the other Untold stuff, go for it. Uh, I got to see if any of them strike my fancy. I'll strike you in the fancy. Uh, and then I finished clickbait. Uh, yeah. So we finished, we got through episode three before uh, last week. This week, we like I said, we finished it. Uh, it is engaging. It's twisty. It's turny. There's many red herrings. It's like, it's like red herrings all the way down. Kinda. Because like, there's no, like for the first five episodes, there's no real suspect. Where you're yeah. like, this person is the person who kidnapped and killed him. Episode six happens, and that's the biggest red herring of them all. It's like the the reviews that I read about it. It's like there's no way f- to feel smart about watching this show because like, like the person that it turns out to be, like 
there's no way that you would ever solve the mystery. Oh, 100%. Before they just show you the result. Right, like you have your theories. Let me just play the ending for you. No, no, I don't want to see how it ends. Okay, I could describe it. Um, imagine you're in a room. No, no, like no, 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 I don't want to know how it ends. I haven't seen the beginning. Uh, yeah, yet. but the ending is awesome. So if I could just play the bitch, this is what you always do. You always spoil stuff uh, for me. No, I don't. And if I could just play the ending for you real quick, then we'll discuss that. Motherfucker, you always spoil everything before I get a chance okay, to see it. Okay, you sound like a crazy person right now. My theory was basically about uh, episode six. I'm like, this person, isn't it? It can't be this person. I guarantee it was this thing. Uh, and then, like, the big the big thing happens where we find out everything. And you're like, oh, I, I, I also called that at, at some point. I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Uh, but actually, I might put in, like, a little spoiler tag here because this is going to be the last thing we do before we, we uh, jump into a break. But, like, I think it's a big problem. Like, the writing's really good. I think it's a big problem is the acting. I don't think any of the actors are really, really very good. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the best actor is the, the guy who gets murdered. And then he's barely in the show. So there you go. Uh, but I still enjoyed it. It's still engaging. Uh, it keeps you guessing throughout and you'll come up with your own little theories. It'll be fun for you and the whole gang at home. And then you'll be like, oh, it was that person. Well, that's slightly unsatisfying because I never would have guessed to be that person. And now we'll get into spoilers. Yeah, like when when the brother showed up, when the brother of that girl who killed herself showed up, I was like, OK, can't be him. Like, because he, he's going to really like we're like. We're getting to the point now where it's going to be like, hey, it turns out the guy that we've been vilifying this whole this whole time is actually like an OK guy because he still has like one dating profile that he put up online and was talking with some woman uh, through. And like, so it's like, eh, that's still questionable, but like. Like the, the when the brother shows up and is like, yeah. Oh, you didn't kill my sister? Oh, okay. Or you didn't cause my sister's suicide? Okay, I'm like, oh, so he, the, the dude was getting catfished the whole fucking time. Or he was being used to catfish people the whole time. And I'm like, alright, well it has to be his friend. And then you think it's his friend for a minute. And then the beginning of episode 8 happens. And then the last thing it does before it cuts is focuses on the one old lady. And you're like, wait, what? The old lady who like has show has been in the show for like you said three minutes. <laughs> okay, uh, so like that's kind of unsatisfying. Like the whole like the whole ending is a bit unsatisfying, and I guess like part of that's because you build it up in your head to be like this grand conspiracy, and then it just turns out it's just some moron woman doing stupid shit. Yes. So yeah, uh, clickbait, enjoyable time. Well, uh, why don't we cut into a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about our main review topic for the week, Kate! You thought it would be the old mid-roll ad break, but it was me, the one that's a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure meme. The following patrons have abandoned their human frailty and joined Lord Dio's eternal army. Gerald Morris, Bill Sutton, Nick Haskins, Ashley the Bubby Gorski, Ben Kiefer, Paul Prezula, Daniel Henderson, Julio Oliveira, James De La Rosa, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, Nate Wade, Alan Gallarisi, Casey Moore, Nerd Revert Jason, Sam the Hurley Boy Hurley, Giuseppe Vicaretti, and Dan's mother. If you'd like to become a patron so we can use your money to finally destroy the Joe Star family forever, find us at netflixandswill.com/patreon. Brand yourself as part of our unholy army. Go to netflixandswill.com/merch. Leave a review and tell me what a good job I'm doing as your immortal overlord. Visit netflixandswill.com slash apple podcasts. Thanks for helping us manifest our stand abilities, which give us the power to watch terrible movies and TV shows and do like rapid punches and stop time or whatever. Seriously, go watch JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Part 6 comes out in December. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it's time to get into our main review topic for the week, Kate. Kate is a brand new action-adventure crime film on Netflix. Uh, it is a 6.3 out of 10 on IMDb. Poisoned by the potent and deadly mix of synthetic drugs called the Beijing Cocktail for getting in the way of the triads, the tough-as-nails British hitman living in Los Angeles, Kate, wakes up from a, with a terrible headache. 
With less than an hour to live, Kate will have to use all the help she can get uh, from her doctor and use every trick in the book to consistently keep her heart rate up so that the adrenaline in her bloodstream staves off the effects of the deadly toxin, uh, starring Jason Statham as Kate. Uh... <laughs> Alright, now do the real thing. A female assassin has 24 hours to get vengeance on her murderer before she dies. Uh, this is Mary Elizabeth Winstead uh, with Woody Harrelson also in it. Uh, she's dying of uh, acute radiation poisoning. Yep. Uh, Dan, what did you think of Kate? It's fine. Uh, it is fine. You know what? This movie actually reminds me more of Extraction than it does Crank. That's true. Like, uh, like, yeah. Throw out the whole conceit and and like watch the story actually like develop, and it's just extraction, but with Mary Elizabeth Winstead and a very bad CG car action sequence. Uh, yeah. <laughs> God, that took me right out of the movie. I'm glad it was like in the first. What fifteen minutes, and then they're like, yeah. "All right, let's move away and never do CGI again." I don't, as a general rule, I don't like to judge women by their appearance, but it looks like life's been hard on Ramona Flowers. She gets like beat the fuck up in this movie. Oh she yeah, just looks. She looks tired. She's got scars all over her body. Like, yeah, she 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 gets worse throughout the entire movie too because it looks like her scars are starting to like contract so like her ve her veins are like popping out a little bit cause, because of the radiation poisoning yeah it's uh she, she she goes through a fucking rough one it's true uh this movie also has the most random twit or like the the most obvious twist ever uh which to the point where like as soon as he appeared on screen i was like oh he's the bad guy oh yeah 100 percent there, yeah, there's no doubt that uh, once you saw Woody uh, Harrelson, you're I, like, bad guy. <laughs> I, I know because I have seen movies in the past. Her real murderer is going to be the person she trusted the most the entire time. Yeah. How do you think the whole uh, John Chick genre in general is faring? I don't... So here's the thing. I think since the first John Wick, every... You know, solo human being action movie is has been suffering because they just don't work. Like they they don't yeah. look as clean uh, as as John Wick does. And I don't know if that's just like a bar was set too high and now everyone has to try to catch up to it. And no one can because no one's going to put in the work like Keanu did, or like uh, it's a personal bias and then get over. But yeah. I, I haven't liked a single solo action person movie. I've liked them, but like none have been like, oh my god, you gotta fucking watch this shit. Right. Do you want to hear about my favorite part of this movie? Sure. Uh there's a there's a part where like Kate and like random bad guy number forty six are just about to shoot each other in the face. Uh and they both pull the trigger and their gun goes click because they're both out of ammo at the same time. Mm -hmm. And then they have to race each other to reload and shoot the other. That was pretty good. I don't think I've ever seen that in a movie before. So good job. Nice little bit of levity, too, in that in that part. Because, yeah. I mean, you know, say what you want still. This movie's still fucking kind of uh, still pretty brutal. Like uh, a dude yeah. gets his head chopped off with a fucking katana. Yeah, I loved I loved that part too because it's like the young Yakuza boss and like the old experienced Yakuza boss and like the young ones trying to like move up and take over, uh, and he he very swiftly is defeated with a fucking katana, uh, and like it's not even a fight scene at all. Right, he's just like you know now's my time i'm going to take over and you're you're fucking done and it's just like shing shing and the dude's like stomach is open and his head is off yeah it was it was one of those things where it's like oh this this will be cool like this will be like a minute or two sequence and it was just like 5 seconds yeah which made it even cooler than the cool that i thought it was going to be yeah cuz it's like that is you know 
statistically that's how most sword fights go they're over in a matter of seconds yeah because one of one of the two people involved gets hit with a sword nature's hell sticks yeah <laughs> the swords will fucking kill asians too and it did so you're you're racist if you don't think swords kill asians too go go back and listen to like 300 episodes ago where we talked about uh, the entire cautionary tales of swords uh, franchise and you'll get the context for that reference. It is true. Caleb's not being racist. He's just making a reference. Uh, I don't know. There's not really much else to say. I thought Mary Elizabeth Winstead was fine. Uh, I thought everyone was fine. Like, like I said, the action sequences are fine enough, but like they also aren't anything particularly great to write home about. The the Kate young girl story is just kind of like, okay, this is happening, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it is. Yeah, so. I guess. The young girl's fine in it, I guess. Thank yeah. you for not completely annoying me with uh, forcing a child to be in a role in the movie, too. Right. So. Uh, not much else to say. It's, it's, a, it's a whatever movie. Uh... The action movie genre has a long way to go in terms of being something impressive again. Yeah. It just makes me sad a bit because, like, I don't think we can ever go back to a time before John Wick. And, like, I don't think we can ever go back to, like, sort of the way things were in the 80s where it was just, like, way over the top. Right. Like, I think we have to stay in a sort of, like, you know, realistic action genre, but, like, the, I don't know, the bar has been moved in such a way that, like, the entire genre is suffering for it. Right. And it's a shame, because, you know, I want these to be good movies. Like, I really do. I really want to like these, but, you know. I, I don't, I know I do it a lot, but, like, I don't like to watch garbage. <laughs> It's true. I mean, this isn't garbage. Like, I don't, I, like, the old guard wasn't, well, the old guard doesn't really count, but, like, what, <laughs> what, uh, what was the other one we, oh, like, Sweet Girl. That was, like, kind of, like, in the same vein, but it's also not, you know, John Wick in terms of goodness. Extraction. I mean, it had that one 12-minute sequence, which is probably better than anything in John Wick, but outside of that, it was just like, ugh, this is okay. And then you got shit like the ice road. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So I think animation action is probably going to be the next thing. Because you've done everything you possibly can, I, it, at least as of now, in the, the live action action genre. So I think you're going to see start seeing more shit like, you know, w The Witcher, Nightmare of the Wolf. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's rate this movie and then never talk about it again. Sounds good. Three. Two and a half. All right. That's fair. Uh, that's about it, what I expected. Uh, now it's time to move over to a patron request review for The Last Blockbuster. Well, fine, if you don't want my money. You mean, if we watch terrible movies, you'd give us money? Well, sure. Mr. Caleb, welcome to the patron review segment. The Last Blockbuster is a 2020 documentary uh, about the last remaining Blockbuster video store located in Bend, Oregon. It's a 6.7 out of 10 on IMDb um, and features interviews from notable celebrity that you recognize from television and film mm -hmm. uh, and is narrated by Lauren Lapkus for reasons uh, she was available. Uh, I've seen this before. Dan, what did you think of the last blockbuster? I think this is a very bad documentary. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things, like, I watched it, and I was like, hey, this is mildly interesting. Uh, Lloyd Kaufman's in it. He's a crazy person. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. It was, it was like, yeah, I'll, this is something I can have on and uh, be, like, mildly interested in, and then, uh... Never think about or talk about again. Yeah. Until I have to uh, 
think and talk about it again on the podcast for the second time. Yeah. Uh, so here's my problem with it. I, I have multiple problems with it. The ta- some of the talking heads are talking about like their blockbuster experience, like it wasn't everybody else on the planet's blockbuster experience. Like they just talk about their blockbuster experience and they go to the next person and they say the exact same thing that person before them said and the, the person after them says the exact same, same thing. And it's like, guys, stop pretending like you had this unique blockbuster experience that nobody yeah. else ever experienced. You're not special. Yeah, it's almost like blockbuster has always been the same for everybody, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really have a blockbuster. We had, uh, in the Pittsburgh area, we had Giant Eagle and uh, had Eagle Video. Yes, that's what it was called. I-G-G-L-E Video. So it was basically blockbuster, Ugh. but Eagle. So Pittsburghese for Eagle. Ugh. Because he- here's how you would say Giant Eagle in Pittsburghese. Giant Eagle. It's true. Why are we so dumb? I don't know. Uh, that's why I desperately try not to sound like that ever. Uh, I hate the Pittsburgh accent. So <laughs> then there was uh, like the seven to ten minute segment towards the end where the director of Super Jaime decides that he's going to go to the blockbuster and they just the, the last blockbuster and they just spend so much time focusing on him. Doing just oh, walking right. around the store. And I'm like, Why? What this? First of all, this guy isn't funny. Like, he's trying to be. Fu- uh-uh. He's trying so hard to be funny, and he's just so annoying. And actually, put it properly, he's cringy. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, also, Lloyd Kaufman. Now he's in the movie for maybe two <laughs> minutes totally, and I don't mind him. But I also look at the movie and think he is just so tonally out of whack with the rest of the movie. Well, it's like, like, there's no reason for him to be in the movie at all. Because he's in the movie to say, yeah, they would never put my movies in Blockbuster, so fuck Blockbuster. Exactly. <laughs> and but, but you have to have Lloyd Kaufman in any, like, documentary that involves, like, a weird topic in the film, like fandom or whatever just because he's an actual living crazy person yeah i mean and that's fair uh and then there's one other thing and i'm blanking on it now i don't know i i I thought the most interesting parts were actually when they decided to focus on like blockbuster as a company and then the actual last blockbuster and stop focusing on the fucking talking heads like because i don't i don't fucking care about those people like the the only person they gave a shit about uh, from the Talking Heads was the business guy who worked with who worked in like the board of directors or like the the executive suite of Blockbuster. He was he, like he had the most interesting things to say, but after yeah. that I didn't give a shit. <laughs> so yeah, I don't think this is a very good documentary. It's uh, supposed to be sweet saccharine and garbage, and it just is garbage. Because yeah. they just decided to make a bad documentary. They could they could have done a forty five minute life and death and of of blockbuster and then spend like twenty minutes on the last blockbuster and then move on with their lives. Instead, it's uh, twice that long. It's true. Uh, sorry, Julio, if you liked this, I guess I don't know. Let's find out. Like I said, it's it's fine. And oh, Julio gave it a two. There we go, Julio. Uh, his review on Letterboxd. This movie features interviews with the manager and employees of the last Blockbuster, of course. People who worked at Blockbuster on the corporate level, essential. Kevin Smith, the man who made Clerks, makes sense. A bunch of actors who worked at at a Blockbuster store once upon a time, um, okay. A dude who rents movies at the last Blockbuster, reaching a little bit now. Pop culture personalities like a Star Wars voiceover actor and the guitar player from Smash Mouth who remember what a Blockbuster was like, huh? Doug Benson, because mm-hmm. why not? He has a podcast about movies. Ron Funches, because the way nobody else risks being the worst, because that way nobody else risks being the worst part of the movie. Not true. <laughs> that is not fucking true. Uh, they have the guy from Super High Me in the movie. It's a cool story, but at even at less than 90 minutes, there's a lot of fluff. Get rid of some of the interviews with people who have absolutely nothing to do with Blockbuster. Who cares what one of the writers from the Blacklist has to say about this? Big true. Uh, 
and dig deeper into the life of the last of her kind blockbuster manager. Feels like we only got a superficial look at her, look at her routine and the challenges she face, uh, faces. Or get rid of Ron Funches, at least. He's so unfunny, he may actually get the last blockbuster closed by association. Oh my god. Jesus I, Christ. I, the fucking savage takedown of Ron Funches when it should be uh, reserved for, I think it's Doug Benson, who is just awful. At least Ron Funches is in the movie for three minutes and doesn't shop around the last blockbuster looking for his own fucking movie. <laughs> uh, that That is all I have to say. All right. Well, Dan, next week on the show, uh, because I'm an idiot and thought it would be funny. No, no, no. Uh, You're welcome. That I was even <laughs> like, yeah, let's do this. Uh, we're going to watch Osmosis Jones. Uh, it's it's about a white blood cell trying to fight a disease, but it's like a cop drama, I guess. Yeah. And on the back of that, we're going to have a patron requested review for Congo, uh, which was given to us by uh, your your bubby, Ashley, uh, so she can finally shut up about it. I know. I told I told her that like I was doing the show notes as I was watching the last blockbuster because I was just so uninterested. Uh, and I was like, oh, it's Congo time. And she's like, thank God. And just got so happy after being miserable during the last blockbuster. I remember watching Congo. Um, it's, uh, they shoot a gorilla in half with a laser. That sounds awesome. (laughs) Have you ever seen it? No. Dude, it's, it's going to be a time. Imagine like. I guess, I guess, like, Indiana Jones trying to get through Jurassic Park is kind of the vibe of the movie. Oh, okay. Well, now I'm very excited. Uh, I'm excited for you. Uh, tell them stuff, Dan. You can find the show at Netflix and Swill.com. It's your one-stop shop for all things Netflix and Swill. Join our Discord server. Uh, link is in the show notes, so you can uh, join up and chat with us about shit there. Uh, that's it. Uh, I love you. I love you, too. Oh, I was saying that to them out there. I was also saying that to them out there. No. Well, okay, then. I'm just letting them know that in addition to you loving them, I also love them. No. Okay, then. Hey, the Chiefs beat the fucking Browns. There we go, baby. Uh, It's because the Browns are a bad team. Uh, That's true. They suck so much. Uh. And, And with that... Uh, until next week, this is Caleb saying, we'll see you next Tuesday. Netflix and Swill is an independent podcast. As such, we believe in the scrappy underdogs of the podcast world. If you're an indie podcast and would like us to run your promo on our show, please contact us. The little guys need to stick together. If you enjoy what we're doing, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend. The more we grow, the better the show will be. Thank you for being part of the Netflix and Swill family.